0: Hi, thanks for tuning in. My name's J.D. Park. I'm T.J. Shelley. And welcome to One Stop Real Estate. So today we're gonna be talking about house hacking. A brief summary of what house hacking is, is you pretty much buy a property, live in it for a year, and then you rent out the space to, another roommate or if it's like a duplex you you rent out the other rooms or the other side of the duplex house hacking works because you can qualify for a 3.5 percent loan it's an fha loan Um, you live in it for that year after a year you can actually move out of the property and then rent it out completely it's a good strategy to build a portfolio a lot of people that do house hacking are single or they don't really have any families because you're pretty much acquiring assets by occupying them and you get into those assets because of the loans because you are occupying it so you can put less money down than having to do a uh a 20 uh, percent conventional like investment property loan um tj i know that you've thought about doing house hacking and what has, what were the things that you liked about it? And then the things that kind of drew you away from pursuing it. Yeah.
1: So I actually, with the first property that I purchased, I actually did house hack. Sweet. So, I mean, at the time it worked out well. I mean, I was single. I was gonna live with friends anyways, so it just made sense. If I'm gonna buy a property, why not live with some people who can help contribute? Gotcha.
0: Gotcha. How much was your mortgage on that first property? I
1: believe it was like sixteen
0: hundred dollars. Sixteen hundred? Yep. And then could you afford that on your own?
1: I mean, yes. But, but it'd be tight. I mean, it's nice to have the the extra rent. Gotcha. Like it was a, a four bed, two bath, single family property. So how I much were you
0: renting the, the other rooms for?
1: I want to say I was renting them for like four oh five a month.
0: Okay. So, and you rented the three other rooms. Three other rooms, out, yeah. Okay, so you're you're getting about $1,200, yep. $1,215 on yep. a $1,600 loan. Yep. And you were putting equity into the yeah. property. Honestly, it was which nice. Which is nice. Yeah, yeah. Really nice. yeah. I mean, a lot of people don't think about that when they pay rent. Is if you pay rent, that money just vanishes. Whereas you were paying rent and collecting rent. And that money doesn't necessarily vanish for you. Yeah. What did you do with that money? Because um, obviously you built up quite a bit of equity. How long did you have that property for?
1: Um, so I held it for two years. Okay. Um, held it as my primary for two years. And then I actually purchased, well, I took some of that equity and rolled it into um, the next property that I financed.
0: So you rolled it into a property and what did you use that property for? Did, are you invest, Are you uh, yeah. renting that new property out or, yeah, or so what's happened with I that? I
1: live in that property right now. So at the time when I sold this and I think I'd mentioned this before, like when I sold that property, really I just didn't want it anymore. I was gotcha. kind of sick of being a landlord. It was an older home. The market was really hot and mm-hmm. I had actually already purchased the home that I'm in now. So I don't know, I, I already had two houses. So what I decided to do is I sold that house, um, put a little bit more money down on my primary home, and then I kept some equity, just so I could continue to look for real estate. And honestly, since I've, since I've sold that property, I've been looking at properties on and off looking for, you know, another investment property to buy or maybe even another primary
0: Yeah, because I know we had talked about the property you're in now, the one that you rolled up into, you've been thinking about renting it out, Um, and then are you going to, to purchase the next property and kind of do the house hack again, um, are you going to refinance that one, or are you just going to keep the equity in it and then just purchase it off of it? Yes, I'm going to
1: keep the equity, so, I mean, the first home that I purchased, it was nice, I bought it in 2019. Like I said, it was a four-bed, two-bath home on half an acre. So at the time when I purchased it, I think I purchased it for about two hundred eighty thousand. And then when I sold, I sold it for about two seventy-five or sorry, four seventy-five. Wow. So that gave me the ability to you know be really comfortable in the mortgage I have now, and then mm-hmm. I still have you know quite a bit of money left over from that that I can toss into the new
0: property. Gotcha. With that property, are you just planning on letting it continue to build equity uh, and eventually not have a mortgage on it or are you thinking about um refinancing and investing it again
1: i don't know i get i go back and forth i mean i would absolutely love to have you know a handful of properties Mm -hmm. paid off yeah and you know have that passive income coming through but probably i don't know I might end up selling it. I haven't really thought that far down the road. Or I guess maybe (laughs) like, like my more short term plan is, and maybe this isn't the most savvy for real estate investing, but it's how like what I personally want to do. Yeah. Is I'll probably, you know, rent that house out, purchase a new home, and then maybe roll both of them into something or sell one of them. Yeah. I think the nicest thing about owning real estate is it gives you much easier access to purchase real estate in the future That is true because The thing that I think about right now is I just want to collect properties right now before they continue to get more expensive Yeah so and I don't care if I have to hold a property for 15 years before it appreciates cuz if it's paying my mortgage it's still putting money into my pocket Correct yeah So I mean the idea is just to collect properties so You know, if I want to just purchase a home in cash or with a low mortgage in the future, do that. And then I also, if I do that, I can still access all of that money through a HELOC or other ways if Mm -hmm. I need it for other
0: real estate ventures. So with a typical house hack, um, the reason why I mentioned that people like to be single when they do this is because you obviously have to move. Yeah and and you've got a wife now and and um it, it's a little bit harder to move yeah. two people stuff than one
1: person's yeah. stuff that's the that's the what we're running into right now for the home i'm looking at i want to purchase she's like oh i like our house so much more than this other house like do, do we really want to move and i'm like I mean, <laughs> it would be nice to yeah to you know have like that primary occupancy rate but
0: yeah, yeah, and those are kind of the decisions that you can weigh, yeah. and and uh, it's it's a little bit more difficult to have to um, have those conversations and, and compromise because when you're yeah. single, you can put yourself through whatever yeah. kind of crap you want. There's lots of things you can do, um, and so a typical house hack is you you buy a property, you live in it for a year, and then after that year's up. You move out, rent the space, or it doesn't have to be a year. It can be a couple years. Um, and then you move out, rent the space, and buy a new home. And then you can kind of just repeat that process until you acquire a portfolio. Yeah. My, one one
1: thing, just like a kind of like a, a legal disclaimer to throw out there, too, is when you're purchasing these properties, like, it needs to be your intention to occupy the property. Yeah, You have to occupy. There's not necessarily like a set, like one year and I'm out, um, but it does have to be your intention to occupy the property for the foreseeable future.
0: Gotcha. And and why is that?
1: Um, I mean, banks, uh, a non-occupied loan, or I guess if you're not living in a residence, it's considered higher risk for a bank. Mm -hmm. Like if you're behind on payments, like you don't have money, like, what are you going to stop making payments on first, your investment property or the house you're in right now? Right. Like it's just a more secure option for the bank. And also like banks want to promote home ownership. They want to make home ownership accessible to as many people as they can. So by having higher rates on investment loans, it makes, you know, home ownership for your average person more accessible for one. Mm-hmm. And two, it's a lower risk investment for the bank so that's why they want like you're going to get a better rate whenever you are you know occupying it as your primary residence and that's the biggest thing with house hacking is you're able to get into the home with a lower down payment and a better rate because you are going to be occupying it right that being said obviously you do need to occupy the residence
0: so obviously you have to have the intention to occupy the property to even qualify for it, because it, it does need to be your primary residence. And, and and I mean, during that year, it is your primary residence, yep, yeah? Correct,
1: yeah. And I mean, one thing too, to keep in consideration there, is whenever like the occupancy laws are going to be 60 days. So whenever you're saying that you're going to occupy the residence, you have to plan to occupy within 60 days. Yeah, so
0: it is an extremely bad idea to say I'm gonna house hack and live in the property for a year, and then get in there and then ditch—that's a big no-no. <laughs> I wouldn't
1: say it's a—it's a big no-no. What would be a big no-no would say, like, hey, my like to tell your loan officer, hey, this is my intention to purchase the property as an investment property and not live in it. Because at that point, you are committing loan fraud. Mm -hmm. And the bank does have the right to do what's called an occupancy knock. So, you know, they can come to your property, they can knock on the door. And if you're not living in the property, or if you're not occupying the property, and it's very clear, then there can be some negative repercussions.
0: That's good to know. Do it by the book, follow the rules, make sure you're doing it right. Because we do not want you guys to get in trouble doing this. Yeah, just live in the house. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. Like TJ said, just live in the house. So there are a few things that you do need to be aware of when it comes to house hacking and some of the struggles that come along with it. Um, on a previous episode, we've talked about property management. Yep. In a duplex, it's a little bit easier than if you're renting out bedrooms. So if you're renting out bedrooms, you're doing something called um, renting by borders and you make the borders in the room which are assignable to um, the boundaries of that border, which typically is just a room. If it has a bathroom included, that would be it as well. And then there's also a common area. Yeah. Um, property managing those types of rooms while you're occupying the property can be difficult. Yeah. Um, I know that you've talked about some of your experiences with uh, renting to, to Friends, and yeah, and I, I won't make you go too <laughs> too into that in case your friends do listen to this podcast. Now, they're great. I did love them, yeah, but some some issues obviously that you can think of is if you're renting to your friends, they think they have some sort of leeway when it comes to paying rent or maintenance fixes or or even like disrespecting the property. Whereas if it's somebody else's property, they might be more inclined to take care of it. Um, so something that I've thought of and would recommend to most people is if you are going to live in a house and rent it out, don't tell them that you own the property. Yeah. Just just refer to it as the owner owns the property or you can even um, hire a friend or so, so let's say I live in a property and I'm house hacking and I set up a system so that everybody in the house pays rent to this Venmo account that is not linked to me that they know of. And so everybody pays that and then you have like the separate email, you can kind of go about it that way. Or I can just say, hey TJ, I'm gonna take care of everything, I just need you to like pretend to be my property manager. And so if something breaks or, or somebody doesn't like, say, a light fixture and they want it replaced, but it doesn't make financial sense to do it, you can kind of be on their side, be like, yeah, that sucks. Let's talk to our property manager about it. And then the property manager can be like, hey, I got to ask the owner, Yeah. which is in turn you. And so that's kind of a roundabout way to to do it and not really have that. Kind of disadvantage if they know that you're the property owner, yeah. um, so that's something that I would recommend like
1: if you're a tenant, is there a right to know of any sort or no,
0: matter? okay nope, cool. there is no obligation to know who owns the property. Um, actually, I would say ninety nine percent of our tenants don't know yeah. who the property owner that's is, cool. so that's what I would do if I was in that situation yeah. to avoid those conflicts. And friends think that they can pay late and your mortgage doesn't care if your friends think that they can pay late, you still need to pay it. And so um, making sure that they know that you need to be on time and is is a good idea, um, especially with with friends. And then um, a second thing to be aware of when renting by the borders is privacy and lifestyle. You're going to have to be able to to set aside the fact that you own the house and ownership and humble yourself and say, they think that this is their home as well. Yep. If you're renting and you move all your stuff into a place, you feel like it's your home, you feel a sense of privacy. And then even with living with roommates, I feel like this doesn't need to be said, but I'm going to say it anyways. Yeah. You have to make compromises. You have to have community space. You have to separate the fridge and quarters or however you decide to do it. And you have to be willing
1: to yeah, compromise there. So, and I guess one thing, like while you're mentioning border income, something important to know is when you're financing the property, you cannot use border income to qualify. If you're needing that rent um, from roommates or from people that, you're having to help you house hack. If you're needing to use that rent to qualify, the only ways that you can do it is if the property has a true accessory dwelling unit. So that means it has its own separate entrance. It has a kitchen, kitchenette, and a bathroom. So there's a couple of other things that are required. Those are the main things. But, I mean, if you're doing a single-family home, um, you need to make sure that if you need that rent to qualify, that there is a true accessory unit, and then as far as like a duplex, triplex, fourplex goes, yeah, on those you can definitely use the rents to help qualify.
0: Gotcha. And also for all you realtors out there in Utah, they've just barely added a a selection on the MLS for accessory dwelling units. Yep. If your client's looking to do a house hacking sort of thing or use some income to help pay for the mortgage, you can actually search for all the ones that are um, accessory dwelling units. Yeah. So that's, that's useful information to know. Um, are there accessory dwelling units that you can't use to help you qualify? Because um. I know that um, on legal duplexes you can, yeah. but I, I don't know... All the requirements. Yeah, requirements for that. Um, While TJ is looking that up, we'll get back to it and I'll continue. Some other things that you need to be aware of when you're house hacking is tenant screening. If you're not going to use friends or family to have rent from you, you want to make sure that you're okay living with the people, you're okay with all their quirks and things, and, and, uh, A typical way to do this is you can do background checks, credit checks. You're probably not gonna have access to do those, which you can always get a property management company and hire out, which I would recommend, but if you're living in it, it's kinda difficult. So just making sure that you're okay with who's gonna be occupying your property is something that's gonna be important. And then lastly, you want to have an exit strategy. What I mean by this is you need to know exactly what you're going to do with the property after yeah. you're done because things can change. You, you may want to do a 1031 exchange in the future. You may want to roll up to something else. Um, now, or quick note
1: it. to like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but on a 1031, you can't, like it has to be a like property to a like property. So you can't, roll your primary into an investment it has to be an investment investment. yes it has to be an investment to an investment um which
0: you'd have to do a refinance before you can do a 1031 is that correct or no
1: um not technically because you can it's kind of hard to explain but like we were talking about earlier with occupancy plant like people's goals change where they want to live changes so now, you don't necessarily have to refinance into an investment property if you want to use the property as an investment property, but you will need to provide the bank with reasoning on why you're leaving your old primary home and moving into a new primary
0: home. Gotcha. Okay. We can get into 1031s on a different episode, but that is good information to know um, that it has to be like to a like. Yep. Um, so if it is investment to another investment investment um, which would occur after you've house hacked this one and move on to your next so then it would be um, you'd be able to qualify for that so that that is useful to, to know and um, what was the
1: on oh, the yeah. accessory dwelling? So I figured if we're going to talk about it we'll make sure we're correct and we'll go directly to Fannie Mae's website and just see what they say um, about an ADU Mm -hmm. So, an accessory dwelling unit must be subordinate in size to the primary dwelling, um, and it needs to have the following features. It needs to have an entrance and an exit, so its own separate entrance and exit. needs to have a kitchen, a sleeping area, a bathing area, and bathroom facilities, and then it's, sorry, the ADU may, but is not required to include access to the primary dwelling However, it is considered an ADU if it can only be accessed through the primary dwelling or the area that is open to the primary dwelling with no expectation of privacy. The kitchens must have cabinets, a countertop, a sink with running water, a hot stove, um, or a hookup like a, for a hot plate yeah. or a microwave. An independent second kitchen does not always constitute an ADU. So that's something I think a lot of people think. They're like, oh, the basement has a kitchen. A bedroom there's a door to the basement it works mm-hmm. it still needs that separate entrance.
0: gotcha okay
1: so I think that just about wraps
0: everything up with house hacking obviously we would advise to get professional help when you're trying to navigate this process I would also get with somebody that's done it before yeah. and who has experience in it and Just being connected well connected to to people in the real estate realm is going to help you significantly in your real estate investing journey.
1: The One Stop Real Estate Podcast is a production of Vision Real Estate. I'm TJ Shelley with First Colony Mortgage, NMLS 1674331 with First Colony Mortgage, Company License 3112.